Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's available on my website and on Amazon. In fact, it's already a number one new release and bestseller on Amazon, and I'm really excited about this book because it's not actually a book. It's a guided journal for leaders to take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you reflect on a different facet of that theme. This journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them, and this journal helps you practice those skills. So if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon to pick up your copy today. Now, if you are looking for other ways to support what I do on the show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com. Podcast listeners can use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Well, that is it. Today, my guest is Ira Wolf. Ira is a six-time author, speaker, and podcaster. He was named a top 100 HR influencer for 2021. In this episode, we talk about the future of recruiting, jobs, and the workplace. Now, there are a lot of things that are changing in the world of work, and Ira is the perfect person to talk to about this subject. I learned a lot from Ira, and I know you will as well. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ira Wolf. Ira is often referred to as a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body. He was one of the top 100 HR influencers for 2021. He is the president and founder of Success Performance Solutions. He's also a TEDx speaker, a podcaster, and a top five global thought leader on the future of work and HR. He's a six-time author, including his latest book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, his second edition, When the Shift Hits Your Plan. So I'm excited to talk to him about what the future of jobs, work, and the workplace looks like. So Ira, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, John. And you got to be careful when you say that shift hits your plan, right? (laughs) (laughs) I had to go slow on that one because I would be careful on that one. So um, first of all, it's good to meet you. And my question just starting off is how does, how do you, uh, what path do you take to become an expert on the future of HR in the workplace? That's a, that's a great question. And that was never my intention, Uh, (laughs) but, but it's an honor. I mean, when, when you somehow show up on the list, and be there because I also look at uh, many people on the list and, you know, I really admire them and they're the people I look to. And, and I, I guess it's an, you know, the afflict, the great imposter uh, syndrome <laughs> affliction. It's like, how did I get here? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm a student uh, of change, a student of learning. Uh, I try to share, you know, give information back, you know, some, somewhere it started out promoting my business. Then you realize it's just about sharing and, and uh, 
you know, you'll, you'll, under, you'll understand this from the, from the background. It, it's like, you know, float, um, ra- raising the level floats all boats. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and uh, so, I, that, you know, again, it wasn't an aspiration. It's certainly something that you're, you appreciate when you're recognized, um, you know, no matter what walk of life you're in. And, uh, but, you know, so I, I work hard to, to, to keep it, to, to maintain it. That's so cool. So, you know, the comment when I introduced you, the millennial trapped in a baby boomer body, what do you mean by that? Because I really like that expression. And, and I think we need that there, there are definitely, uh, I'm a little bit older, I'm I'm, I'm in my 50s, mid 50s. And uh, there's definitely I've seen it now having employed, you know, the different, you know, groups that have come through. Why do you call yourself that? And how, what, how does that give you the edge as far as looking at what's happening? Well, well, just like how do you become a future work thought leader? I was, I walked into a room and they said, gosh, from your voice, it's like, Ira, from your voice, we thought you were so much younger. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, I'm definitely got the baby boomer body. I, I feel it. Um, I, I feel it every time I go to, you know, bend over and tie my shoelaces <laughs> uh, and getting up in the morning. So there's the, there's the aches and pains. Um, but my mindset has always been, you know, I guess at one point people called it an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, or, you know, focused on, you know, always willing to learn and curious and whatever all those terms might be. And I guess you wrap it all up into one. And, and I became this millennial trapped in a baby boomer body from <laughs> I, I wrote a one of my prior books was Geek Skeezers and Googleization. And it was about the four generation in the workplace and how to- technology was going to change it. It's now the, the title of our of my podcast. Um, but it, it's, you know, going back you know, even to then, um, somebody the other day said, "Well, maybe it should be a, the 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 geek and the geezer body." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm I'm usually the tech person that people go to when they have that question or the future of work, and you know where many of my peers are are retired uh, for sure. Uh, it's it's a it you know I I enjoy what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing, and I, I think I got an you know, 20 or 30 years wrapped up into me, but I don't know if my body does. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So your, your, your main company, Success Performance Solutions, what, what is it that you do with that, at that company? And what's, what kind of unique value to, do you provide to, to, to companies, to clients? You know, I, the, the business is focused on pre on employee assessments, whether it's pre-hire, uh, we can test for things as simple as typing and data entry and can somebody use Excel through leadership competencies, which mm-hmm. is much more exciting and much more fun. And that's that's my focus uh, on that. Uh, but we look at, uh, you know, pre-hire, and, you know, for hourly positions, it might be as simple as do they have a positive attitude? Do they are they willing, you know, to, are they do they tend to be reliable and show up for work? You know, senior leadership, we're looking at critical thinking skills and can they lead others and mentor others and manage relationships and and think strategically. Uh, and we work with the, the combination of different tools. So uh, I, I love the assessment side. Um, if you really dig back into my background, uh, like a lot of other people, they came from different pathways. Uh, my first career, I was actually a dentist. I loved everything about dentistry, but dentistry. People, you know, the common question is, well, how did you make this change in the business? Well, I always looked at it that I had a business because I grew up in a business family. I had a business or or that just happened to be uh, in dentistry. Uh, I loved the marketing. I loved the promotion. I loved. I started from scratch and in, in a and kind of a, in a recession. Uh, I loved work. You know, I, I have team members. I, I haven't I haven't touched a drill in twenty six years. 
Um, I left my practice 26 years ago, but I still have team members, uh, staff, you know, employees that they're in touch with me on holidays, my birthday, we're friends on Facebook. I've seen them grow. Many of them were 20, 22, 25 years old at the time. You know, they're now grandparents and I'm watching their kids grow <laughs> and some of their kids actually have kids. So um, I loved all that part. But the problem is, is I couldn't just show up for work. And then <laughs> I actually had to produce the product. You're in manufacturing. You know right. that. Um, if you, if you, you, the enjoyment may not be there if you had to literally go down and produce everything that you, you know, every, every piece yeah, of machinery, yeah. every piece that you, every goods that you shipped out. Uh, and that's the problem with dentistry. It's, it's a relationship business, but I, I loved everything, but actually doing the work and it's a very tough profession to scale. So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I made the transition pretty easy and, but I have a long way around that, but I loved the diagnostics. I mean, I, I loved helping people. I like solving tough problems. People, um, local dentists and physicians used to send me these problems. They go, listen, we've we've done every test, but we can't figure out what's wrong. But they're still in pain. And I, you know, I've, I've always been a good integrator. Um, you know, I we as I joke, I used to get paid for different differential diagnosis. Uh, insurance used to cover it. Now I have to make a living and <laughs> work hard at it and, and use good old critical thinking skills. Uh, so, and, but it, it also helped. It's, you know, it was about transferable skills. It's like people said, how did you make that transition? I knew how to market, knew how to build teams, um, knew how to deliver good customer service uh, and uh, use my critical thinking skills. And they, they can, they can be transferred to any, any job. Out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I noticed that about that went on your LinkedIn profile and I was good. I didn't know it was going to come up, but I thought it was interesting. But, you know, one of the things that shows and I think people are listening in, you might go down a career path and you might be deep in a career path where you decide, you know what, I'm not feeling the joy. I'm not enjoying part of that. And I can make the switch to something completely different. And you did. You made that switch. You used all of your skills and, and experiences, but you moved it in a different direction. You're very successful with it. So it's a great example for those that are listening in. It's like, what if I don't like what I'm doing? You know, what if I'm, you know, 35, 38 years old, 40 years old, I don't like what I'm doing. You know what? You can still pivot, right? And that's a great example of you pivoting. That's you a can right do answer. it when you're 60. Yeah, I was 44 at the time, but I've pivoted multiple times, changed directions of the business. Yeah. I'm mean, still in the same business. Um, but no, you're so right. And, and there's, there's two important things there. One is when we look at different generations, when, you know, certainly in the 60s and 70s and, and prior to that, you know, most people had one career. They might have had multiple jobs, but it was still in the same industry in the same careers. Uh, there was a study done in Australia of, of um, and they were looking at primarily the, the recent grads, young people, uh, Gen Z, and they identified that they would have 17 jobs hmm. and five careers, but not, not the careers would be in different industries. Mm. And which is a huge mind, a huge mindset change from having seven jobs in one career. And they so we, we're going to move from from generations and employees that were job hopping to literally career hopping and industry hopping. But that's be, that's where those transferable skills come from. Uh, and certainly to do certain jobs, you know, again, going back to dentistry or whether it's engineering or manufacturing and you know, I, I want to go to I want to go to somebody that has some experience or some knowledge uh, that they've studied to be able to at least to be able to perform those procedures or do the work that needs to be done. 
but beyond that, and, and really emotional intelligence was the kind of the leaping stone for this, is in order to be successful, in order to get beyond just earning a paycheck and, and doing tasks, you, you need additional skills uh, and, you know, whether it's leadership, uh, whether uh, we, I've been focused on, the, especially for the last couple of years on adaptability hmm. or agility. I mean, everybody uses similar words. So, um, but adaptability or agility and what are the skills there and people throughout is like, everybody needs more grit. Okay. Hmm. Uh, everybody needs, you know, we need to be resilient. Look how resilient we are after the last two years. The problem is they're reactionary. Grit and resilience are mm. are really, really important skills that people need to have, uh, but they're very reactionary. It's waiting for something to happen and then reacting where things like a growth mindset, um, you know, being able to recognize that we need to take some risks and, and learn new things and we're going to make some mistakes. And, and ultimately, it takes practice to go there and mental flexibility and then unlearning unlearning the things that we thought. And again, you're in your fifties. I'm, I'm, I got a couple, another decade on you. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of things that I just assumed I could coast, you know, Hey, I've been through that. I, I know that. And realized that what worked in the eighties, nineties, and even two thousands yeah. isn't working today. And <laughs> no, you have yeah. to be willing to kind of compartmentalize that and say history, interesting, but I'm going to put it away in a shoebox in my brain and maybe someday I can call upon it and, and recall it, but it's not going to help me solve today's problems. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I focus on, uh, and those are all transferable skills. And uh, so that's, uh, you know, that, that's what we do. And that's long, that's, it's a long story about what success yeah. performance does, but it's uh, what I, you know, it's me, it's what I do yeah. as well. And a lot of other people, as you suggested, are in a position that they're going to maybe forced to change careers or they're just unhappy in their career and they can do it and they, and they need the courage to do it. And we, we are just stuck on job titles. Mm-hmm. Like people still say, it's like, you were a dentist. Like, how did you make that change? Like, <laughs> it was just the title I had for a while. I borrowed it for, you know, yeah. 15 years and it looked, it's on my resume, but it didn't define who I was. And right, I really right. stuck on that. Yeah, I know. I was a vice president in corporations for years, but I but I never thought of myself as a vice president. I thought of myself as a leader. That, that I didn't couldn't care about what the title was, but but people would say, "Oh, how did you get to be vice president?" I'm like, "I don't really care. you know, that's not something I hold dear true, you know, near and dear to my heart. It's just whatever. That was the role I was in." But um, but you're right. I think and I think titles, you know, kind of moving into the future of work, I don't think titles are are that important anymore as much important as as the skills that the individual is trying to, uh, or the skills and experiences the individual is trying to gain to have in in their in their resume. It's it's less about the title; it's more about the experience. Is that what you're seeing? Uh, it, you know, kind of moving forward. Oh, it has to be absolutely. Uh, you know, there's there's study after study, and I always learn from other people that are a lot smarter than I am, or surround myself by people like that. You know, and I follow the the McKinsey's of the world and and Boston College Group and and conference board and, you know, now Burning Glass Institute. I mean, people that are doing like tremendous work in that area. And for the last couple of years, they kept coming back and they were talking about soft skills and, you know, like a, for and emotional intelligence. But it's really, really interesting that within the, because of the pandemic, it got focused on agility and, and adaptability. And McKinsey released a study where they identified what they call deltas, uh, the dimensions of essential talent. 
And there were 56 of them. So that's a lot. It's too much to, you know, for, for any one person to be able to excel at, at more than a few of them. But when it came down to looking at job satisfaction, life satisfaction, employability, and the ability to make more income. So not just get a job, you know, the, the definition, the acronym somebody told me years ago, a job was just, um, just over broke. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what it was. So to, to make more than, than that, the, the commonality, like the common thread that was driving that was um, for different, different aspects of adaptability. We talked about grit and resilience, but it was dealing with uncertainty. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, you, you're military, you know, you're, you're familiar with the yeah. term VUCA, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. I, I don't know a better acronym that describes, you know, 2020 and, and beyond. Yes, uh, that, was, yeah. that was a topic of my TED Talk as well. So we talked about how to make change work for you. But we're, we're going to constantly be dealing with volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And so what are the skills that we need to deal with that, dealing with uncertainty, um, dealing with uh, being able to think on your feet? Uh, mental flexibility, uh, we call it mental flexibility. They, they called it the ability to make sense out of communication, uh, out of miscommunication and misinformation. It, those were skills. I mean, you never, you know, we never thought of right. those as skills before. It's like, well, some people just have it and some people don't. And only the smart people, only the leadership should have those skills. Now you need those just to get a job. I mean, just right. just to figure out right. listening to the news. So, yeah, the, the, the those whatever you want to call them, um, you know, the, the soft skills, emotional intelligence skills, we call them that we, we focus on adaptability quotient, you know, those type of skills, competencies. Um, but, you know, relying on everybody else's research, uh, World Economic Forum, McKinsey, everybody's pointing in that same direction. We're going to need to learn how to be pretty fluid and adaptable. <laughs> Going, yeah, going yeah, absolutely. I mean, this uh, days of you know, you know, being rigid, having one, you know, one work for one company, have one sort of career path. Th- I think those are over, right? I and mean, we're doing, you know, we're we're going to be doing lots of different things. Uh, and, look at the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the market. Look where people are, you know, where people had a chance, you know, during during the pandemic to reevaluate their lives a little bit. The work life balance. What do I love to do? What I'm, what am I doing? What I love to do? They got a taste for home. I got to work from home for a little bit. They got that flair, feel a little bit of freedom for the first time in some cases. And they like, well, I'm going to move to a gig economy. I'm going to do some, you know, I'll do side gigs. I won't even go back to work. So it's really interesting the the shift and change just in the past three years. For me, it seems like it's been really dramatic, uh, especially with the amount of people who got a chance to work from home for the first time. And you know, many of those will never go back to the office. I mean, many of those many of those companies have have shifted to a you know, a remote model, which is a big shift and, and, and one that I never expected to see happen in my lifetime. So, but the technology was available for it. So it sort of yeah. naturally went that way. But people are struggling with that. I mean, every day you see a company trying to bring people back and, and then people, then, then you get a report on how many people quit their jobs or refused to go back. And then they rescinded that, or they modeled that. And there's this the debate, whether it's a four day work week, whether it's a three <laughs> A three-two work week, whether it's a two-three work week, whether it's 100% remote, the, the problem that that's happening with that goes back to our skills. So what skills were needed is that the people, the, the workers, didn't necessarily have those skills, but after two years, they figured it out. Mm, yeah. The group that didn't figure it out was the topic of the show, which is really managers and leaders. Yes, yeah. They want to bring people back because they're saying it's not working, but it's working for the workers. 
And, right. you know, the studies right. are showing that productivity is up, engagement can be up, and the companies that do it right. But managers and leaders uh, are really struggling with how do I manage people? You know, 10% of my workforce shows up every, shows up in person. Some show up on Tuesday and Thursday. Others show up on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah. Um, some show up once a month. Uh, I've got people working across the country. It's really a very distributed I can't say asynchronous, but asymmetrical type of a workforce. And now I I need to learn how to manage people that I don't see, that I see, that I see sometimes, that I see once in a while. Um, the teams are fluid. It's not the same people showing up every single day. And yeah. you, you have you call a meeting and the same people are that are there that day because some some of the people are gig and and some of the people don't work on Tuesdays. Um, you know, they're off or they have other obligations. So really the challenge is that we need to really up companies really need to up their game you know, with leadership and management and supervisory, mm -hmm. how to manage that. It's beyond the technology. The technology is pretty much there. We just haven't learned how to use it. And I mean, we've, we've, we've floundered our way through uh, Zoom uh, <laughs> and, and other, yeah. and other platforms to get there. And now it's, well, how, well, you can't have a, an effective meeting. You can't engage people, you know, when you're on a screen yet people do it. I mean, companies say, Hey, we love, we love working remote and yeah, yeah we have a, we have a thriving culture and, and people are engaged and are predicting, you know, and all the measurements that they're using. And then you, you listen to another company in the same industry and in the same business with the same number of employees. And it's like, it's not, it's not working for us. You don't understand our industry and go. Yeah. Okay. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. Yeah, exactly. Some are taking advantage of the situation and they're they're learning and some are still stuck in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you. So you've got the, the new book. Uh, well, actually, the second edition of the new book, right? It's called um, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, the second edition. I got to ask you, what is Googleization? What, is, what do you mean by that term? And I love it. I think I know what it means, but. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I wrote this, when I, as I said, I wrote my book, Geek Skeezes and Googleization. And I, truly, I was looking for, it just came out as an alliteration. It was yeah. going to be geek skeezers in technology. And it was about how people and technology and business were converging. And um, I don't, you know, it was one of those shower moments or driving down the street or I heard something and it's like Googleization. Um, and so it's, and, and, and the alliteration was great. So geek skeezers, Googleization. But it really, really was about the convergence of people, technology and business. Um, the, 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 the subtitle of the book, though, was um, the the wired the tired in technology, <laughs> and uh, and both of them fit pretty well because there's, you know, we I, I was just looking up something today about digital digital illiteracy, um, and and people were asking like what what happened to all the workers? And I said, well, there are workers, but some of them can't apply online because they're 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 digitally illiterate, mm -hmm. which means they they. You know they have a flip phone and you can't apply to Indeed on a flip phone. So how do you how do you reach them? 
And it's pretty shocking because it's one out of seven adults, including young people. Uh, it's not only that every young people is gifted and knows how to use technology, yeah, yeah. Um, but one out of seven adults in the U.S. is digitally illiterate. The number like skyrockets when you go above 65 years old, but that's not the prime working age. But, you know, even uh, at 25 to 54 year olds, it's it's a little higher than it's, it's about 20 percent. So you take one out of five people out of the workforce that don't can't even apply to your jobs because they mm. don't can't get online yeah. or their or their kids or grandkids or their spouse has to do it for them. Uh, it narrows. You know, it, it, we, we keep weeding off people. We keep peeling off people out of the workforce. Yeah, I guess you're right. Never really thought about that. It's just, you know, I mean, now everything's done electronically. Uh, you've got to have, you know, you have to have a presence online. Typically, if you're looking for a management position or, a, you know, a salaried height, height, you know, some sort of a salary position, you, you they want to see what, you know, do you have a LinkedIn profile? You know, what's your what's your web presence look like? All this sort of thing. And if you're if you're just a digital you know, what do you call it? Uh, you're not there, right? You're a ghost, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, they're going to be like, where, where, who is this person? You know, I can't research them. I don't know. I don't, don't know their history. And uh, yeah. So, but I imagine, like you said, even like when you get down to hourly positions and what have you, you put out a, you, you, how are you, how are you recruiting? How are people applying for the job? I mean, I still have people send me, you know, resumes to my, to, to e- you know, to email, you know, or well, like I use email. Yeah, yeah. So, so you see, you know, but uh, but most times the recruit, most companies have some sort of a uh, recruiting, you know, system that you have to get yeah, into. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, but it goes all the way down the line. So, as things keep changing, it's one is how do I apply? So you can get your, as they said, your your, your kids, your spouse, or, your, or a friend to to submit your resume for you. But then, what happens when you show up? And what happens when you get hired? And they said, uh, we're going to send all the information for onboarding for the papers yeah. to fill out. Um, yeah. Well, can't I come in and sign them? And the, uh, no, yeah. you can't because our headquarters is you know thousand miles away or somewhere else. Uh, so it, it, it's really, it's, it's a problem. And we knew it was coming. I mean, it's been predicted for a long time. So that's sort of recruiting in the age of Googleization wasn't necessarily about that part. It was about how fast the world was changing. And yeah. I tend to focus it on not the part that was left behind, but the people that were going forward and what companies needed to do. And so the first half of the book was literally, it was it, the original title of the book was when the shift hit your plan. And it was about change. And it was about what the future of work was going to look like. And then uh, being the, capitalist I am and the entrepreneur, it's like, how do I get paid? You know, what what yeah. what would interest people? And I was working with HR and I'm I'm a marketer art. So I talked so the last half of the book was how do you market, how do you recruit, which is marketing, uh, for talent in an age of Googleization. Mm-hmm. And and little did I know I wrote the book in 2017 and that was the first edition. And then there was a couple other chapters and a couple other things, and and I added them. We added another sixty or seventy pages to it, and it came out in February of twenty twenty. And here, you know, lo and behold, March twenty twenty yeah. is the pandemic, and it's all of a sudden we're in the age of Googleization. It's not something. It's not a twenty thirty prediction. It's right. a twenty twenty prediction right. <laughs> reality. Uh, and so it obviously became quite popular. I was doing a lot of speaking. I was quite busy. The, my business actually doubled uh, wow. during the pandemic, which totally, I, if you would have, 
being being a futurist and or attempted futurist and thinking, <laughs> oh, what's the future work going to be like? It's like, how did I miss that? But um, the reality is, is that never ever would have expected I, I, that the business would have grown. Um, I figured everybody was going to pull back, tighten up. Uh, we'll go just like they've done in every other recession uh, in the past or or crisis, and it never it still hasn't stopped. We're still we're still growing, and so there's fortunately there's a lot of companies that got it and are thriving and figured we we need to do things differently because what we did in the past isn't going to work, and then you still have the companies that <laughs> that that resort um, to, you know, we just can't find people. Okay, well maybe you want to right, try something right. different. Well, you don't understand my industry, mm. uh, or you know, it's just all these young people. Young people just don't have that same work ethic as I did. Oh well, yeah, if yeah, they have a different work ethic. And it may be better that they're not killing themselves uh, to be able to do that, but they are hard workers. I, yeah, yeah. You know, that's where that's when I became the recovering millennial basher after I bashed <laughs> him for a while. And it's like, you know, and I, I you know, I, my granddaughter's a Gen Z and, you know, she, she's going to school full time and she has three jobs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to be able to do that. It's like, no, I, I, I wish a lot of older workers, a lot of baby boomers, a lot of my peers have the same work ethic as absolutely. As, I mean, most of my most of my key employees are millennials and they're running the show. I mean, they they have the energy, the enthusiasm, the drive, the uh the knowledge, the experience. I mean, uh, I every day I walk in, I'm impressed with what they're doing. And and uh, so I'm you won't find me a basher. I'm a I'm a huge supporter of I, I don't, you know, I just, everybody's bringing something different to, and I think the millennials bring something, I think they bring us something to the, the equation that I like, which is this work a little bit more like a work-life balance. And then what do you, what does your company stand for? What, what, what are you trying to do in the world that's, that's different? And, and I like that because I think we older generations didn't care about that. I just want a job, I want to make money, you know, and, and yeah. but we didn't have that same passion for what are, what are, what is this company doing in the world? And do I want to be part of a company that's doing something great, something special? special, something different. And that's, yeah. they, they, that they have a lot of drive for that. And I actually love that. I learned from them and I think that's a good, uh, it's, it's, it's a good way to good, they're good skills, good, uh, it's just something good to bring to the workforce that I really enjoy. So yeah. it's, it's, again, it's finding meaning, purpose, belonging. Yep. Um, we, we interviewed somebody for our podcast today and it was about belonging. I mean, it yeah. was literally yeah. just about belonging, which is the solution for diversity and inclusion and recruitment yep. and retention. You name it. People just want to belong to something and they're willing to to give up compensation. Yep. I mean, they're not willing to, to tolerate a toxic work culture like our parents and grandparents right, and right. my parents did for years and years. It's like we just want we want to know that we count, you know, yeah. that we're that it's not a that we're, it's not that you need to pat us on the back and tell us how great we are every five minutes. Uh, we just want to know at the end of the day that we contributed to something that we feel that we're part of it. Um, that's pretty healthy. And, you know, you've got a great attitude and a healthy attitude. And there's a lot of companies that have figured that out. And the other ones are, ah, we're just going to throw more money at them. Yeah. 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 That's not, that doesn't work. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. And so, you know, as we're, as we think about all the shifts that are happening, Googleization, you've got the pandemic, the post pandemic, you've got this, uh, you know, perfect storm in the labor market. What, what, what do you, would you say is, is probably the number one skill or number one thing that leaders need to be thinking about and doing to be able to, 
uh, effectively run their companies, attract good talent, retain good talent um, in this and all the things that are happening in the market, in the labor market today? What are some things, what are, you know, the top few things that leaders need to be doing right now? Yeah, I, well, I, that's an easy answer for me. And, and despite the fact we talked about adaptability and, and grit and resilience mm-hmm. and and mental flexibility and learning, I mean, the one that stands out for me, the one skill that's in there is growth mindset. And even when we talk about employee experience and companies, uh, you know, company culture or com- or creating that community, as we were talking about creating purpose and meaning and being a, a purposeful um, environment, um, we the the theme that goes through that, the skill that you need to make all of that happen is the growth mindset. And for those mm-hmm. listeners who may not be familiar with that, uh, I'd suggest you can, there's so much information out there, including a whole bunch of TED Talks, uh, is look up Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, uh, and her book, Mindset, uh, which is about 20 years old. But she did a lot of research on, and she started with students. And it's like, why do, why do so many successful graduates and athletes fail in life. And part of it was because they had this fixed mindset, which I felt victim to, uh, you know, I was, I was a top student. And all of a sudden you, leave, you, you live up to the billing mm-hmm. uh, that I'm, I'm yeah, it's, that's just naturally easy for me. I don't have to really work hard. And the fact is, if I work hard, if, if I tell people that I really have to work hard at it, then I'm, they're going to think, well, you're not as good as we thought you were. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this downward spi- spiral. So, you know, there's a story that people can understand about a fixed mindset is, you know, how, how often have has somebody not, you know, when you're in college, you didn't take a course that you really were interested in and you would have loved doing it, but it would have been really hard for you and you might've got a, a C, 2.0, but you wanted to maintain that 4.0 average. So you started passing up opportunities to learn things, to to do things you may not have been naturally good at, or things that you would have had to practice. And it's it it really it's a blow to your ego and it blows to your reputation if you screw up. And honestly, I mean, I I have three degrees. Um, You know, we we, I was top of my class in in college, top of my class in dental school, um, and everybody says, "Oh, all those things come easy to you," and it was like. No, they really didn't. But I'm not going to tell you that. Right. I want you to think I'm just naturally smart. But then there were times that I I really wanted to try something new. Yeah. And I didn't do it because what if I make a mistake? What will people mm-hmm. think of, about me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in order the age we're living in now, things are just that VUCA. Things are changing so quickly, so unpredictably. Things are un- uncertain. We have we're evolving. There, there is no such thing as a best practice anymore. There's not even a good practice. There's evolving practices. That's how you survive. That's the mindset you need to to survive a, a VUCA world. And in doing so, it's what do I need to learn? Who could be my mentor? How do I learn that? Uh, I'm going to learn. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice every day doing something. And when I started to look at, I've always been a fan, if you can't tell, a growth mindset. But one of the things that I realized is that everybody's trying to fix all these other problems, you know, whether it's retention or recruitment or DEI or leadership. And the, num- and the, the, the common theme was, how do you get people to try something new? Mm-hmm. It's more than just saying, I have an open mind. And it's more than just being curious. 
is that how do you get people to, you know, if you're right, if you're right-handed, say, how do you become an expert being left-handed? Mm. You know, and it's like, well, I'm just not very good at it. It's really awkward and it's clumsy and I made mistakes and I have to think too hard. Yeah. But what if you, you know, what if you had to do it? Yeah. Could you do it? Well, we have to do stuff now. We have to think differently. Uh, yeah. So the number one skill in my mind, uh, and that's whether you call it a skill or competency or a mindset, uh, is really developing the growth mindset. And once you have it, then you yeah. can share it with other people. And it really is contagious. It, it really is. Yeah. Because when if they see the leader stumbling and making a mistake, and th- this is this is what we saw during the pandemic. When you looked at the great companies, and, and I remember being on a couple calls initially. 2% of senior executives said that remote work, that their company can go remote before the pandemic, 2%. And then within a few months, it was like 50 to 80% said we can do it full time, you know, not full time, but we can do it at least part of time. Yeah, I think it would work for us. But what you saw with, with these leaders is they became very vulnerable, mm-hmm. where they in the past said it's yeah. unprofessional to have your kids walk into the room yeah, when you're in a yeah. meeting. It's unprofessional to have your cat be holding a cat or a dog or the dog's barking or the FedEx guy is knocking at your doors. There's too many distractions. All of a sudden, it was like, they're real people. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the dog's barking, the cat's, you know, meowing, the grandchild runs into the room, uh, the phone's ringing, the FedEx guy's there, the yep. plumber's there. Yep. It's all the stuff. And they go... Hey, this is life. This is it. And now I understand what it's like, but we have to become better at it. We have to. Absolutely. Yeah. I I would say, yeah, I would say this is like, you know, I I say a lot, leadership is a people business, right? So, and I love people. So to me, all of the warts, bruises, uh, cats, uh, UPS drivers, I love it. I just, it's, 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 we get to know more about the people that work for us when we have those experiences. And I, I enjoy it, but I imagine it it was a big step out of the comfort zone for a lot of leaders that haven't had that opportunity. But, but, uh, but I think if you, I think you're right. I think it's a great, it was a great, it was a big shift that we had to think of. Everything was clean, cut, every, you know, meetings were this way. We held them for an hour, you know, nobody interrupted. And now suddenly it's. Well, it's and they weren't very chaos. good meetings. I mean, people complained about meetings forever. Right. All, right. Like, oh, our digital meetings are, are not very good. Well, yeah. you know what? They weren't very good. I'm old enough to, to having grown up when, when the biggest problem, when I entered the workforce, there were people literally around the making a big living around the country. Of, of how to stop having me, how to have your yeah. boys not hanging around the water cooler. Right. And then all of a sudden it said, Hey, that's where all this stuff happens. And that's then it was where like, it happens. Hey, how do you have yeah. more water cooler meetings? Yeah. But it was, yeah. Everybody was focused around the water cooler. Uh, and you know, the, but the meeting is notoriously, I mean, they've yeah. been terrible for, <laughs> and, and yeah. they're still not very good, but it had nothing to do with whether it was in person or on screen, People yeah. Didn't how to run a meeting. <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. I love this. This is so good. Um, Ira, this is a lot of great stuff you talked about today. How can people find out more about uh, you, your new book, and all your books uh, and your company? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, And again, this is fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, You can go to irawolf.com. That's where we're rebuilding the website. So there'll be more and more information up there. Uh, I'm super active on LinkedIn. uh, And uh, please connect with me. I'll uh, just let me know. Let them let me know you uh, heard us on the on deep leadership with John, and I'll certainly accept the invitation there. And I put most of my material out there. Um, and uh, please, 
my company, my podcast is a uh, geek skeezers Googleization. So it's <laughs> a lot. It's a mouthful. It's a lot, a lot of G's. <laughs> yeah, but we talk a lot about what we were talking here. It's about the future mm. work and hybrid and employee experiences and well-being. And we shifted gears the first year. We talked a lot about HR tech. And now we're we're talking about people. And yeah. it's, it's a lot more fun talking about people. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Well, we'll put links in the show notes for all those resources. Ira, again, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for sharing all this experience, all this, uh, these things that we need to be thinking about right now. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all that. I love doing it. Thanks very much, John. Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Till next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture.